like high adventure, come with me. Church family, we're back again with the Blind Spots podcast. It's Corey Williams, Deacon Corey Williams. I'm supposed to say that now all the time. I think so. You got promoted somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and Pastor Rolo Bernalis. We are listening to the Blind Spots podcast, and our aim is to help First Baptist Church of the Lakes to identify its spiritual blind spots and or in order to more faithfully walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are churchmen. Yes, we sir. We love the local church. Christ amen. died for the church. Amen. Amen. So we've been away for a while, but we're back. And uh, why have we been away for a while? What's been going on? You've been playing. I don't know what you've been doing. I've been working. It's called work. W O R K. <laughs> I don't no, know what you're doing. Yeah. No, we've been uh, taking care of some business. Personal, personal business, church business, just been busy, busy, busy. So yeah, we're it's back. It's a busy again. season, and but it's great to be back. But our great, great government speaker of the house, Mrs. Miss, Mrs. Is she Miss or Mrs.? I think she's married. I don't know. Nancy Pelosi has moved us to speak again. So you really want to talk about this? Yes, I definitely need to talk about okay, this. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about it. All right. So. Recently in the news, Nancy Pelosi, well, just for some background, so recently, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, you know about the, the George Floyd uh, murder trial and Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder, or what was it, no, third degree murder? Two counts of murder and one count of manslaughter. Yeah, so third degree murder, second degree murder, and manslaughter, and while... And in commenting on the case, Nancy Pelosi made some comments that I think are very, very, very interesting. That's correct. This, this verdict came down on April 20th, nearly two weeks ago. And you know, I think we first need to say, though, brother, you know, when there's a loss of life, we should all be saddened and brokenhearted over Amen. that. Absolutely. And so when we look at this Derek uh, Chauvin case, uh, we were moved by the Nancy Pelosi statement. Right after the verdict, she says this, quote, Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How heartbreaking was that? And she goes on to say, And because of you, your name will always be synonymous with justice. Is there anything wrong with that statement, Brother Corey? Yes. Like what? There's quite a... Well... There's quite a few things wrong with that statement, but I'm gonna let you go first because I want to. I want to hear what you what your comments are. Well, there's some key words in her statement. I don't think this was an appropriate statement because she's using words like sacrifice, life, justice, and she uses the word justice twice. But that word, those words are key words. And in your mind, what does that sound like? Well, when I listen to this, what's well, a couple different things wrong with it? First. George Floyd didn't sacrifice himself. No, he did not sacrifice himself. Actually, what happened, if you read the story and the account of what's happening, what started this whole situation is that a store clerk called the police on George Floyd. Why? Because he passed the $20 bill, which was fake. And to pass a fake $20 bill is against federal law. That's what started this whole situation. 
So he had zero intention to sacrifice himself. All right. So, I mean, even, yeah, it's not a sacrifice. I mean, it's not, his intention that day was not to give his life for the cause of justice. No. Derek Chauvin, the police officer who held his knee on his back and on his neck, um, didn't, none of this had anything to do with sacrifice in any way, shape, or form. Nobody, nobody had that on their mind. That was not any kind of thought in their mind. And then the man was, the man died at the hands of a negligent police officer. And for her to say that he sacrificed himself is just, I don't know if she misspoke, but it was definitely wrong. Well, I think it's clear that she had much time to think about what the potential of the verdict would be. And to make that type of statement with those type of keywords and terms, I think are very inappropriate. Absolutely. The other thing, though, that is, I want to talk about, are you, you got anything else you want to say about that? No. Well, the only thing I would say is, again, it's a sad situation, but on the day that George Floyd died, he had zero intent or intention to be a martyr, to sacrifice his life, or to be some sort of saint. That's right. Now, I'm glad you brought up those words like saint, martyr, and all that kind of stuff, because what's very interesting about this statement, if you listen closely, it this statement, now, to, to be fair, there have been a lot of people who have criticized her already for making this statement. People who would align with her politically have criticized her for making this type of statement. But what I want to talk about is, is I want you to listen to the religious overtones mm -hmm. in this statement. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. Your name will always be, and because of you, your name will always be synonymous with justice. This statement sounds very, very religious. Really? Yes. It so has please explain. It has religious. Well, basically, she's think. First of all, the man is the man is no longer with us. He's dead. Mm -hmm. So you're thanking him, like you're talking to him. You're talking about sacrifice and just. These are all religious. This is religious um, phrasing and religious terminology. And you, you, this this has a lot of religious overtones to it. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because. Okay, even though she's not invoking the name of any God or any religious figure, nevertheless, this statement reveal, is revealing a lot about her thinking, her mindset, and her ideology when you talk about these types of subjects. Especially these terms. Yes, in particular. But I mean, like this particular subject about race and racism and policing in this country and that type of thing, her response to this sounds very religious. Okay? Now, it's not just her. It's not just Nancy Pelosi. If you listen to a lot of people, political figures talk nowadays about this subject, you are, I'm beginning to hear a lot of religious terms and phrasing being used. So please explain. So, so like in your mind, Mitch, what is a religion? So in my mind, a religion is when you're, when you're praising or in, or you're giving homage to a God, but what I'm specifically talking about, like, so, for example, these people, Nancy Pelosi's not going to tell you she's worshiping George Floyd. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that um, people on, on her, from her political ilk, are necessarily sitting down thinking, I'm going to worship people. 
What I'm specifically saying is, is that the terminology and the phrasing and the type of language that's being used when you hear political pundits talk about race, racism, and policing in this country, they are more and more and more frequently using religious language. And it's starting to sound awfully religious to me. So we, from what I just heard is we're crossing the threshold from political arena, political talk, and now we're crossing into the area of religious talk, that's religious what terms. That's what it's starting to sound. religious function. Yes, it's starting to function almost like a religion. If you listen to Mitch McConnell and uh, former President Barack Obama, both said that slavery was America's original sin. And then, so, and then you also have other people using that term, original sin. You got all of these different types of terminologies that clearly came from Christianity, that came from a religious framework, are now being used and co-opted to talk about race and racism. What I'm trying to get at is, is that the more and more you pay attention and the more and more you listen to what is supposed to be secular political um, officers and people who make a big stink about separating church from state, when they talk about this particular subject, you're starting to hear an awful lot of religious language. For example? What I just, that's what I, that's what I, I, I gave you that when I said Mitch McConnell using the term original sin, Barack Obama using the term original sin, you got Nancy Pelosi talking about sacrificing your life for justice. That's, you, where, where does that language come from? Well, All of that language is coming from the scriptures. Well, I, I, I would say, just to make it more clearly for, clear for our, our audience, is that these terms are in the Bible, except race and racism. The word there is partiality. But well, these the, term, terms, the term original sin is yeah, not in the Bible. Yeah, However, Sin is in the Bible, not, not original sin. Yes, it's a but, theological construct. Yes, but the... Yes, the phrase original sin is, that's a theological construction. We, you got that from Christianity. Right. So what you're saying is these terms that these politicians are using are borrowing from a Christian platform to yes. make it sound religious. That's what you're saying. It's sounding very religious. Not only that, if you, if you just, all you got to do is pay attention mm -hmm. for a little while, right? So what we have here is you got this talk about race and racism and policing, and it's starting to have these unambiguous religious overtones, right? And if you, and if you, for example, so you got, like I say, you got original sin, you got sacrifice, you got, uh, you need to, you hear people saying all the time, you got to do the work of an anti-racist, right? If you start getting into this conversation with more and more people nowadays, and you start questioning and asking questions. What they're going to tell you to do is go read this book from Ibram X. Kendi. They're going to tell you to go read this book from Robin D'Angelo. They're going to tell you to read this book from... That's what, as a Christian, if you want to find out about Christianity, you know what I'm going to tell you to do? What? I'm going to talk to you, and then, you know, and then when, when you ask me, well, what kind of homework can I do? What am I going to tell you to do? I'm going to tell you to go read the Bible. Right. Okay? So you got all this. You got... You're supposed to lament a particular type of way. Now, I'm black. You're... I'm brown. You're brown. Filipino, right? So um, we're people I'm, of color. I am not yellow. And so now, I'm what brown. happens... Now, listen. Now, listen to this. What happens as me, as a black man in America, 
and I disagree with a particular frame of mind or a particular ideology from people like Nancy Pelosi or different people as it relates to race and racism. I think you'll get excommunicated. Yes. That's a church term, by yeah. the way. Yes, I'm gonna get get my black card took. I'm gonna get accused of being an Oreo, or I'm gonna be what they like. They, the the term they like to use now is a uh, I'm skin folk, not kin folk. That's just fancy terminology for excommunication. Mm -hmm. So we got sacrifice. We got original sin. We got particular can't a uh, book t types of books you need to read in order to really understand. Okay. You got George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, okay? They're being treated like almost like the way Catholics treat saints. So you think that they're sainthood right now? What I'm trying to say is, is that this whole f talk, okay, I'm not even getting into whether or not you agree or disagree. That's a, that, we're gonna, do, we're gonna we'll deal with that on another, that another episode. What I'm saying is, is that the terminology and the phrasing and the talk is starting to sound very, very, very religious. It has moved from the realm of political, political or social to theological. That's, the, that's what I'm getting at. So this whole talk, can we say that it's acting and looking more and more like a religion? Yes, very much so. That's my whole point. Like, the more I hear that people talk about this, the more and more it start supposedly secular. Like if you, you know, you've been around long enough when you politician, particularly Democrats, mm -hmm. right? Like which Nancy Pelosi obviously is a Democrat. The big thing is separation of church and state. Until okay. something like this happens. But now see, because she's not using any name of any particular God, then it's okay. Most people, most Americans are going to hear this type of talk and be like, oh, it's not about God. But what I'm saying is, is that when you listen to all of this talk about race and racism and all this stuff, you're hearing more and more it's starting to sound awfully religious. So what we're saying, church family, is this whole issue of race and racism, which is a real issue, uh, has now taken root and it's looking more and more in the form of an actual religion. Yes, when you just listen to people talk about this functionally, Functionally. And borrowing off the Christian platform. Yeah, it's starting to sound more and more religious. But obviously these terms in the Bible have different definitions than what these secular folks are using them for. Right, right. I'm not, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just want to be clear that I'm not saying that these people are intentionally in their mind going, oh, I'm about to go worship George Floyd or I'm about to go worship Breonna Taylor. Okay. But functionally. Functionally, the way that these conversations are starting to Develop now and these statements that are being made It's starting to sound religious Yeah, with sacrifice and life and, and justice, justice and, and lament. Yeah, and like all of these are religious original sin. Yes, these are all and religious terms. Where do they where are you getting this from? They have to borrow from the Christian platform Which they deny and reject in order to make their case, right? They just use the same words, but different definitions So so you know this when people start rejecting God, right? When they reject the God of the scriptures, this is Romans chapter one. You know that God exists. Everybody knows. Man is left without excuse. And what do we do? We exchange the truth about God for a lie. 
That started all in the garden, yes. by the when, way. Yes. So when you reject the God of the Bible, when you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to replace it with something. You're going to be religious. I want to read this for you, brother. Okay. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, it says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Right. So this whole thing started... This rejection of God started in Genesis 3, and then you fast forward to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And what do the people of Israel want? They want a human king, just like every other nation, to rule over them. Right. And what does God say to Samuel? They're not rejecting you, my prophet. They're actually rejecting me right. to be king over them. So this is just another form of that. That goes to your point. Once you take the word of God out of the public square or the Ten Commandments out of the public square, you're going to replace it with something. Right. And what are they replacing it with now in well, the culture? This ideology, it's, you know, critical race theory, what, what, you put whatever label you want on it, right? But what's happening is, is that it start, it's becoming a religion. It's starting to function the same way a religion would. So, so if a... If a, if a you know, God forbid if a Republican or independent got up and said something like what Nancy Pelosi said and said Jesus Christ, they would be having a fit right now. Oh, they would all have heart attacks. It, like she said, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. Now, if a, somebody got up and said, thank you, Jesus Christ, for sacrificing your life for justice, and they did it in a, an official capacity. Oh, they would get oh, crucified. Oh, man, it would be, it would be. Separation of church and state, rah, 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 all day long. But this was she standing up doing the same thing, but it's very religious. But I got you know, a question for it's you, functioning Brother Corey. religiously. Okay, I got a question for you. Yes, we would both agree that race and, race and racism is wrong, right? Because there are image bearers, they are made in the image of God, and they are prejudiced against. And this could apply to all people groups in the world. But let's think through this logically based on their uh, presupposition and okay. path that they're taking. So they want to fix a real problem. We mm. say we want to fix a real problem. Okay. But the way they want to fix that real problem is how? you got to read all this extracurricular books outside of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So they've created their own canon, even though it's not inspired. It's open, right? And this is very popular. If you want to learn about racism, learn, read these books. If you want to learn how to address racism, read these books. And all these books are outside of the Bible. But logically speaking, where does that eventually lead to? At Away the from the Bible. Away from the God of Scripture. Okay, so then is racism, racism fixed at that point? Is it completely no. eradicated well, if they achieve their goal? To be fair, okay, I don't want to misrepresent anybody's position. Okay, but they're not going to define racism the same way me and you do. For me and you, racism is going to be, I have a hatred or a pride in my particular, you know, ethnic group's composition of how much melanin I got in my skin. But most people nowadays is defining racism as more of a systematic, it's systematic injustice or systematic uh, in inequity. So if built into the system or built into the right, law, not just, but not just not. No, it don't have to be a, a law that is actually written. What it is, is that if I'm black or I mean, let me say it like this, because uh, if there is a difference in outcome. For a particular group of for a particular minority. 
then whatever system that you're a part of, then that system is racist because of, because of there is a difference in outcomes. So until you get to a point where whatever system is, the housing system, school system, whatever, you, you label it, whatever, it doesn't really matter if it's a, it could be private, public sector, whatever. If there is any difference in outcome, right, unless obviously it has to be, if it's a negligible one, they would say, then it's okay. But if there's a, any difference in outcome, then it's the reason it's happening is because that system is racist. They have take no account for personal responsibility and no account for um, culture. Nothing whatsoever. Okay, so let's use their their current basis. Does that fix racism and race? Well, if the you, it depends on if you how you defining it. If you defining it their way, if you defining it as a systematic injustice that where you have um, a disparity between one group and another group, no, you can never fix that. So no, it's not getting fixed no matter what. There is no way. Look, I got five children. How many children you got? Five. I got five children raised by the same two parents in a stable household, and there's no way that I can guarantee that all five of those children are going to have the same outcome. I can't even guarantee that with five people. How in the world am I going to guarantee that across a nation the size of the United States? Right. So, no, their plan's not going to work. So what is the remedy to this whole situation? There's only one remedy. It's the same remedy, the gospel. People we need to be saved. Okay? The only way you're going to ever fix racism is this, by people being saved through the person and work and coming to repent and believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. They know that they're a sinner. They come to the realization that I am a sinner. The only way that I can be saved is through faith, by grace. And then I will start to look at other people with a different melanin counting me differently. That's the only thing that can stop racism in any real way. Now, that being said, I don't want to sound like we shouldn't be concerned with where we see real racism present. Okay. But this stuff, this is another religion. This is starting to turn into another religion. Okay. And it's not going to fix what the real problem is. And so here's the problem with all of this, right? So me and you as believers, right? You and I can have a different political views. You and I can have different political views. I could disagree with you politically and say, hey, you're my brother in Christ. I just disagree with you politically. The problem is, though, is if you're calling yourself a brother in Christ and you start to have different religious views, we have a problem. Well, especially if that different religious view is a false god. Right. If you start talking about false gospel, see the problem with a lot, we can't get it. We wasn't even supposed to get into this. Look, we're going to have to do some more episodes on critical race theory, ju biblical justice and that and the like. But the point that I'm trying to make that, that I'm trying to get at here is, is that all of this talk by these politicians and different people is starting to sound religious. Which is a new religion in yeah. America. You have all the elements of a new religion going on here. Sacrifice, original sin, excommunication. You got certain books you need to read. You got lament. You got basically Nancy Pelosi, what amounts to a prayer to a dead man. Okay? 
Like he's, what? He's a martyr. Yes. What else do you need? Oh yeah, you got martyrs. Trayvon Martin's a martyr. Breonna Taylor's a martyr. Michael Brown's a martyr. All these people who have died, they're they're basically being looked at as martyrs. Yeah. Okay. And again, is, like what other George Floyd was not looking to be a martyr that no. day. What other elements, Pastor Rollo, do you need for something to be religious? No. What what's missing? You got excommunication. Yeah. It, they have the basics for a whole new system of belief. Yeah. You can donate to a not to the to Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Like you you got high basically what would amount to a high priest, Ibram X. Kendi, and all these different writers, Robin D'Angelo and all these books, those people are being brought into corporations to teach people this way of thinking. This is religious. This is turning, this is religious. But it'll never, in the end, ultimately solve the problem. Never. And I think we agree with that as two minorities who are committed to the Word of God. Absolutely. The reality is, I would say, for you and for me, we both experienced prejudice or discrimination or racism at some level. Right. Uh, at different parts of our, of our lives. But as Christians, we are we have committed ourselves to what the Bible says because the Bible only has the answer for this problem and this issue. And you said it earlier, brother, that the problem really with racism is pride in the heart. That's right. When we think that we're better than other people, we're racist. When we say that we're better than other people, that we're racist. But the reality is that's pride in the heart. And every race is racist. I'll argue that till the day I die. Why? Because every human being is a sinner. We're Pastor, all sinners. Pastor Rolo, listen, I'm telling you, we got to do another episode because everything you're saying, any person who believes in, who who holds to this ideology of critical race theory is going to disagree with you that racism is only about your hatred of another race. That you cannot talk about it without talking about the systematic element. We don't got time to do it today. Yeah. We got to do it later. The point but is, we're going to address that. We're going to. The point I'm trying to make here is, okay, I don't want to get off this point. This is religious language. This is being talked about and handled like a religion. This is no longer political anymore. You're dealing with aberrant theology right now. Aberrant Christian theology. Okay, you're taking Christian terms and applying them and using them in a way that the Christian church has historically not used them in the past. It's redefining. Okay. You're redefining Christian. This is this is a theological issue. But it, I do want to say this for our audience. The hope is always in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. It humbles every person. Man, wo man woman, young, old, black, white, brown, yellow. By the way, you said earlier, Oreo. Right. Mm -hmm. If it makes you feel better, I've been called a banana, <laughs> yellow on the outside, white on the inside. But we both love Jesus Christ. That's right. Right. That's, That's what right. brings us together. That's right. So with that church family, we're going to uh, make sure that we address other um, blind spot episodes regarding this, because there's a lot of tentacles that are attached to this. That's right. Yeah, we definitely need to do some more fleshing out of this concept of justice, what biblical justice actually is. Because this word is being tossed around so much, like I don't think people really actually have a definition of what the Bible says. And so what would we say to our church family that's listening to this or the broader audience? We want to warn them about a new religion that's here in America. I would say to them, 
listen to some future episodes so we can we can deal with this in more thoroughly. Yes. <laughs> when a good king would take over in Israel or Judah, he would get rid of idols and false religion in the land. But even good kings wouldn't take down all the high places. They were so entrenched in the culture and seemed so normal that good kings didn't think to remove them. The high places were blind spots. The people could not see what they represented until the high places were torn down and the blind spots exposed. Thank you for listening to the Blind, po blind Spots podcast. <laughs> All right, see you guys later. That's a tongue twister.